2: Hey, my name is Laura Osnes.
0: My name is Jeremy Jordan, and you're listening to Eleven,
2: the official theatre podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Now they're the original Broadway stars of the hit Frank Wildhorn musical that are set to reunite to mark the 10th anniversary since its opening on Broadway. But this time, they're across the pond in London for an exclusive performance of Bonnie and Clyde in concert. Set to headline the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, a venue that's undergone a multi-million pound renovation, the show will play to audiences this coming January 18th. But for its stars of the show, 10 years later it might be, but this is a reunion of many parts, who reveal to me here that they've only sung these songs together once since their closing in New York. So why now? Why London? And why return to a show that they both openly admit has helped bring them to new and often unexpected international audiences? Let's find out, as here in this exclusive first interview, it's time to discuss Raising Hell with the newly announced special concert version of Bonnie and Clyde in the West End, what to expect from London audiences, why they believe the show has moved to a cult status since their closure, working with genius composer Frank Wildhorn, finding the truth in their respective characters, why singing Dying ain't so bad and Raise a Little Hell isn't something they do kind of ever, and why closing on Broadway was just the beginning for this pair of belters. Yes, it's the incredible and original stars Laura Osnes and Jeremy Jordan on this, an extra special episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To meet with current restrictions and to stop the possible spread of COVID-19, Laura, Jeremy and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. They're two of the biggest names on Broadway that are about to reunite for an exclusive concert version of their signature roles in hit musical Bonnie and Clyde at the iconic Theatre Royal Drury Lane in London's West End. And I'm thrilled to say that they're here with me now for this and exclusive first interview about this very, very exciting reunion. So she is the ultimate leading lady. It's Wee Bonnie herself. Please help me welcome. First, it's Laura Osnes. Hi, Laura.
2: Hello, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you very much. And he's the not so bad boy Clyde that's got a heart of gold and a voice to match. Hi, Jeremy Jordan. Well, hello. Thank you both so much for being here. It's very, very exciting because we are literally a manner of days away from this very exciting news coming out. And actually when people get the opportunity to listen to this episode, the news is gonna be out. Bonnie and Clyde, the concert in London's West End. It feels like a dream to even say it out loud. It's been a long time coming and it's very exciting for us as fans. And I'd love to get the opportunity today just to ask you lots of questions about the opportunity to do this. So I guess sort of the most cliche of cliche questions to start with Jeremy, but Bonnie and Clyde in concert at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. I mean, are you excited? Absolutely. I mean, this is, um, God,
0: we started this back in 2010, Laura did it before that. Um, so it's been a, a long time that we've been sort of, well, on and off working on it. Well, it's been more off than on lately, but um, you know, if they've teased it, you know, going other places other than Broadway for a long time. So um, that we're getting to come and just to do this is, is, is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll have to tap into ourselves 10 years ago, which is when we did this on Broadway. <laughs> and it'll be great I can't wait it's I mean I'll 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 um
1: I'll take any opportunity to to sing with Miss Osnes over there (laughs) Laura when this opportunity came up for you was was this an easy yes or did you have to sort of take a beat and think oh gosh it's a very beloved role to me do I sort of want to go back
2: oh yeah no it was an easy yes except for the fact uh, in the back of my head that I was like can I still sing that (laughs) Um, no, but like emotionally, of course it was, it was very exciting to think about, um, obviously revisiting these roles and these songs and, um, this beloved show and yeah, same thing, getting to sing with Jer, but it was like, wow, I haven't sung Dining so bad in 10 years. Like I just, it's not a song I sing ever. I sing, how about a dance all the time? That is a song that I is continually in my concert repertoire. Um, but it's going to be, yeah. I'm like, I got to get back in shape for this. (laughs)
1: I've sung Diane so bad I mean come on I know (laughs) and the fans reaction as well I mean I'm sort of we are a couple of days out from it actually being announced and I'm sort of trying to forethink exactly what the fan reaction is going to be like but I think it's pretty safe to say that it's going to be insane I mean the love for this show is international and it just feels like it constantly grows all the time and I imagine that's obviously the beauty of things like YouTube and also cast recordings as well Jeremy what do you actually think fans are going to be like when this news goes out? Do you think that they would actually believe that Bonnie and Clyde and you two reuniting together would happen again? Or do you think that they might have sort of dared to dream but think, oh, maybe it won't?
0: I mean, yeah, I think people would, would have imagined that we could maybe do something again. I don't think that that's out of the realm of, of, of belief, but yeah, I think people are going to be really excited about it. it, it did sort of take off after we um, did not do so well <laughs> on Broadway itself. And uh, you know, it's become this big cult favorite, and you know, all around the world, people have done productions of it from you know the high school level all the way up to you know pretty decent size. Well, not quite the West End, but um, you know, it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty big show, and um, it's something that we really poured our hearts into, and I think that that shows um, when people listen to the recording and watch their various bootlegs that are out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there certainly definitely are a few and it's so interesting that you mentioned about the sort of the growth and the love of it and of course the cast album and so on and so forth because some of these songs are sung in so many different types of sort of concert versions and shows and people just immediately connect with the score and do you think Laura that's one of the reasons why I think the reaction perhaps will be so huge when this news comes out because this is a fantastic fantastic score
2: yeah well we all fell in love with it obviously Um, and I think the cool thing about Frank's score is that he works so much internationally. So the show has been translated into several languages and done across the world. And I think that's why it has such a, a, an international appeal. And I am so grateful for the cast album, which has allowed the show to live on past our two month Short and love and life on Broadway.
1: (laughs) Do you think, Jeremy, that your perspective on the character perhaps now, of course, this isn't a full production, but it is a concert version at this signature venue that I mentioned. So it certainly will feel like the real deal. Do you think that your perspective on the character 10 years on is slightly different? Do you think it will have changed?
0: Yeah, I think it will have changed for sure. I mean, I've certainly lived a lot more than I had 10 years ago. Um, You know, I have faced a few more things in my life that maybe I hadn't faced before. Um, granted I'm much older than Clyde was before he died, um, now, and, you know, I have a family now, which is something that he never really had, at least not of his own. But I do think those sort of things, you know, offer a different, unique perspective on things. Um, but I I think it's going to be more of me trying to tap into my younger self, you know, maybe with a few, a few lessons learned, um, you know, throughout, throughout the years. I mean, I haven't luckily been involved in any shootouts or a bank robberies. So you know, not since I was really young, you know. It's it's been a long time since I've done those sorts of things.
1: <laughs> I love that. No shootouts. Not not this sort of 10 years anyway. Perhaps maybe maybe the next one. Yeah. Laurie, you mentioned about the sort of the reaction and the fans and and I imagine what it's going to mean like for audience members. But for you as an individual, as an actor, I feel like it's quite rare that you get the opportunity to be able to go back to a role 10 years later. And for you, do you find that prospect quite exciting?
2: Absolutely. Of course, as Jeremy said, you li- we've all lived more life and we have new perspectives and new wisdom and growth and um development that has all happened in the last 10 years so um as artists and as people so I think it will be really exciting to revisit I also like coach kids on this material a lot and so <laughs> I, I like I feel like I know I now know how to define the story that Bonnie goes on in uh, you know kind of throughout this musical and and throughout you know a lot of these songs just because I've I've had to dictate it to people and help kind of teach it and explain how I was feeling while playing the role and singing these songs. So um, I think it's going to be really special for me to get to revisit and kind of <laughs> get a taste of my own medicine in a way. And what I what I like to demand of other people who are attempting to sing this music that now you know, I'll get to also um, bring kind of in a new and exciting way.
1: So it's essentially Laura Osnes having taught Laura Osnes, who is now teaching Laura Osnes. It's almost like you teaching yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, it's int- you know, back in the day when we did it, it's like, you know, we had rehearsal and we figured out backstory and, you know, developed so many beautiful things. But then when you try to explain that to someone else, to be like, okay, let me tell you what I was feeling so that you can know how to be in Bonnie's shoes mm. without all of that rehearsal and without all of, all of that development. And um Yeah, I feel like I, there's, there's such a specific journey that I went on that I didn't know how to define at the time. I just kind of did it. But now there's, there's like, as I, as we were saying, like a new depth and a new wisdom and a new complexity uh, to it that I feel like will be. Very fun to revisit, however, yes, I feel old now.
1: Jeremy and because these are based on real people as well, and of course, the musical adaptation requires a little bit of musicality and the musical magic to be able to make it work and adapt for the stage. but how true to their sort of real life and their stories is is this script and and this music?
0: You know when we were developing it, we tried you know we all read a bunch about them and and tried to keep a lot of it pretty pretty close. Um, you know, of course there's like things that we skipped over. Um, but I, I definitely tried to push for as much, um, you know, honesty and things that really happened as possible. Of course, you do know, have to condense a lot of it, but I do think for the most part, we stuck to the facts, at least, a, at least a version of the facts, because there are a lot of different sides of the stories. There's a lot of different people that wrote different books about it and, um, you know, tried to, try to skirt all of those. Um, but it, as far as i can remember we didn't really make anything up right i mean we didn't i mean maybe like the preacher role like there a few of the, the 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 supporting characters you know with sort of amalgamations of society and different people but like they're they're immediately immediate families and all the main characters are all are all you know pretty clear and and, and all derived from from source material that that we didn't stray too far away from, and like I said, we we had to leave a lot of stuff out. Right. Yeah, I think I think uh, most of the stories we told were 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 pretty true, at least
1: uh, you know truncated versions of them. And because they are based on truth, is there that sort of? It's sort of a beautiful balance in a musical, but I can imagine when you're trying to write a score or or a script, it's quite difficult to sort of not necessarily glorify death and murder and uh, theft, but also to try and make them likable as individuals as well. So therefore as a character, you actually warm to them or want them to, in some way, be enjoyable to watch on stage. That feels like a very tight balance, but I can imagine as as an actor, Jeremy, that's quite exciting.
0: Well, Bonnie never killed anybody, at least not to anybody's knowledge. She might've shot a gun once or twice. Um, Clyde only killed a very I got, I think maybe only like three people it was not a lot I can't I, remember don't quote me on that one but it, but it, it was so always nine total there you go they though he but Clyde nine. himself because because the right, other Bonnie, people that were with them also helped in times yeah but you know it was always about kill or be killed you know it was very much like his you know s- you know mangled version of of self-defense he's like well it's either me or them. Um, or us, or them, and if they're going to come at us with guns, then we have to have guns to to take it back to them. And there are, like I said, varying accounts, but but I think we really tried to play into the romance of, of everything and really set up and take take time to to build their relationship. And, and we all know what's going to happen, and so we can sort of take the audience on a on a journey that that, that leads them to think, well, maybe, maybe it'll be different then Mm -hmm. when it all goes to hell, it, 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 feels that much more, um, you know, devastating and, you know, and surprising and, And maybe we find ourselves a little bit conflicted because we were rooting for these people that, you know, have a very infamous reputation.
1: And Laura, would you agree that it is their relationship very much so that is the heartbeat of of this musical and and perhaps why you think it has connected, not just musically, but in that theater, why people really did love it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think... Frank is really good about (laughs) writing. He loves, you know, a romance story. And so I think that is definitely the heartbeat. But what was cool I found in our research too, in making these characters empathetic is trying to dissect why they became the way that they did. And going back to Bonnie's dream of, she wanted to be on Broadway. The fr- she spent the first money she ever got, she went and got a glamor shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she she didn't want to be like everyone else around her. And Clyde was the same way. They wanted to break free. And when they met each other, it was that electricity that of needing to get out and wanting to be more than everyone who had come before them. Uh, that, that life on the run was exciting to them so it's and Clyde was sexually abused in prison both he had been on the run starving as a kid you know it's like you you see their pasts and how they got to where they are not that it's ever justified or okay we we thought that was important to show how these people became who they were why they became who they were what they saw in each other and what propel them to keep going, that they were really only on the run for two years, maybe less than two years before they were, you know, shot and killed. But that's why Bonnie even sings, she's like, I would rather have lived two years with you than a whole lifetime without you.
0: Yeah. I mean um, and that and that's a sort of thing that that only lasts for so long, you know, <laughs> if right. they've been going for 20 it's years. Not sustainable. I don't know they would the, the, the tune wouldn't be the same. And and I think it's something that, you know, that the comment on the that we that the show makes is that sort of society and and the, the people around them and, and how live was around them pushed them to this. You know, these two people who are incredibly enthusiastic about life and really just wanted to break out and do something big didn't have the means to do it in any other way than to go rob a bank. And then they were going to go start their life, but they had to get the money, you know, and then it just became about staying alive, you know, and, and they right. really just wanted to have this grand life together And uh, they just had no means to accomplish that
1: without committing a crime. And Laura, I sort of feel like hating them is the easiest of the options, but actually understanding the why behind it is actually the real truth. And that's where it becomes, I think the show becomes its own, is that it's actually very intelligent and it gives you the reasons as to why they make the decisions.
2: And you have to remember, too, you know, people know Bonnie and Clyde as this like infamous murderous couple, which is, you know in in partially part partially true who they were and what they became known as, but they were also human. They were real people who felt feelings and had fears and insecurities and dreams and and passion and so um, exploring all of that and, and making them human and remembering their feelings because we saw the excitement of their life on the run but then we also saw them freaking scared you know when they were about to get shot and as as Jeremy said it's like you it was it's him or me and what are we going to do and thank yeah. god they had each other.
0: Well I think I think one thing that I, that this sort of makes me think of is is going back to play them as as um, 10 years later Having lived life experience, I think I think it's for me. It's going to be an approach of like they just didn't know how to deal with the the yeah. cards they were dealt. They didn't know how to deal with the road, the path that they had chosen for themselves. They didn't have any i any idea of how to emotionally. They weren't emotionally equipped to handle any of this. And so the way that they handled it was was just in the most unhealthy way. Um, right, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I don't know if I ever really fully considered
1: that back back in the day I've been to therapy now and learned a lot yeah (laughs) Laura can I just push back on something you said more towards the beginning of our conversation and that is that it's you think you haven't sung Diane Ain't So bad since you sung it on Broadway do you you really think that's true I'm, I'm sort of quite surprised by that
2: I sang it once at the reunion concert the Frank and Friends reunion concert at 54 Below it's a song that for me taken out of context can't be done justice so when kids try to sing it, I'm like, are you sure? Are you, are you sure? Because it's just, um, yeah. it's not worth singing. It's not worth singing. If you can't give it what it demands. And for me, it says it's a song that I had to go on Bonnie's journey for an hour and a half before I could sing that song truthfully and realistically in the middle of the show. So plucked out of context and done in a concert. I just don't think it's, you can't do it justice
0: yeah i agree there are a lot of songs like that i mean i raise a little hell for me is kind of like that as well not only is it a pain in the ass to sing um but it's it's so fraught with everything that came before it the only time i've ever done it is like
1: in a medley when i just give a little taste of it you know a snippet yeah laura it's interesting what you mentioned about it being in the context of the show because i think actually the lead into the song is where you sort of feel like something's changing because it's part of a dialogue and it perhaps it's not word for word but it's about they're going to kill him and then they're going to come for you and it is her immediate response it's not supposed to be a beautiful moment of isn't this a lovely song I'm singing about how much I love him it's her response saying back I'm I know where I am and where I'm going and I, I think that alludes to your point which is actually that it only sits where it sits and perhaps nowhere else
2: yeah thank you for knowing the lead-in I'm quite impressed <laughs> is that an album I don't know if it is it starts very defensively to Blanche Like dying ain't so bad, you know, like, Hey, you, and she's defensive. And then when Blanche walks away, then it becomes internal and vulnerable. I only hope that I go first. Mm -hmm. God, I can't live without him. Yeah. And then uh, emotional in her journal. And then the bridge is like, I never wanted to be everyone else. Here I am. You're getting my masterclass. Here we go. (laughs) No, but it's like, she never wanted to be the people who came before her. And then I, I literally like that final chorus is like, It's her, it's her last words. It's her epitaph. It's the words that are going to go like, you have to sing that as if you have a gun to your head.
0: And it only works in that moment. It's, it's not like, that's not like her mantra. Like, that's not how she lives her life. It only works in that moment of like despair and defense and desperation. Like, as so many people look at that song, like, oh, it's such a beautiful sentiment. You're like, no, like, this is like, this is like, (laughs) this is someone who's
1: desperate, who has no choice but to have this outlook. Jeremy, in terms of audiences doing this at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, I mean, it's an iconic signature venue. I think it's part of sort of the top three alongside the Palladium and the Coliseum as the biggest, most exciting venues that London has to offer on the world stage. And for you getting to do this show in that space with I think quite a couple, if not 3,000 people, a lot of London audiences who have, most of whom I imagine probably haven't seen the show, but come along loving it. For you, is that strange that it's in a completely different side of the world and yet they're obsessed and they love it and they want to see you guys together in this in this show? Or is that exciting? How do you approach it?
0: I think it's exciting. I mean, aside from like the little reunion concert thing that we did at 54 Below, which is the opposite because it's like 100 some odd seats, we never played this show to, to full houses. Like by, we, we ran for less than two months. I mean, including previews and houses were half empty most of the time you know and we put our whole hearts into it but it's been a long time since we've felt and I'm probably never even come close to feeling what kind of energy that we're going to feel it at this place so you know it it is a bit of a homecoming but it's also something completely new you know it's going to be a completely new experience for us 100% you know because yeah a lot of people won't have seen it but but it's less that and more of the like what could this show have been, you know, if right. we were already stars at that point, which we weren't, not really. Uh, well, she was more of a name than I was, but, but we weren't, you know, and the show wasn't loved at that point. It, people were still coming with question marks, you know, and, uh, and and Laura and I have gotten used to that kind of response because we do concerts and cabarets and stuff like that and have made names for ourselves since then, but we didn't have a right to expect that, and we certainly didn't have
1: that expectation. Do you agree, Laura?
2: Yeah, 100%. I haven't performed in London like Jeremy has. So I think Jeremy has his, like, London audience that is, you know, so excited, not only to see him, but to see this, and then to see us. I feel like I've had the opportunity to a few times, and it just hasn't worked out. So I'm excited to get to kind of make my London performance
0: debut. Well, I'll tell you right right offhand, the best audiences that I've ever had have been in London. I mean, hands down. You know, in terms of per... per you know per person, you know, you know, you had bigger venues, smaller venues, but like if you if you take the ratio of it all, I, I think the that the London audiences have always been the best. At least for me. Aww. They're known to be very, very docile and <laughs> genteel, but um, yes. <laughs> I have not had that experience.
1: I was about to say i've been to one of your concerts it's never ever ever like that they just clap scream and cheer that's all they do from start to end. they love it well i hope it's the Yay. same it's fun it will be the same definitely and also <laughs> inside is a theater all Drury lane which i know keep going on about it but this is such our beloved venue and it's also had a massive facelift i mean like 40 something million pounds it's been getting the botox and everything treatment so you're like one of the first concerts to we're gonna have the whole there. set No, I have no idea. I don't think so, maybe. I hurt myself so many times on that set.
0: I
2: know you did. Oh my gosh, we both did. did.
1: Laura, we've Mm -hmm. spoken about (laughs) its time on Broadway and I think it's just good to acknowledge that unfortunately it didn't get the time that it deserved. I think it's probably the understatement of this entire interview. Why do you think that was? Is there a specific reason you think 10 years on is you can put your finger on perhaps just why then wasn't the time, but perhaps now is?
2: Uh, We started previews November 1st and opened December 1st. And I gotta be honest, it's not a... Holiday tourist <laughs> production, um, so I think the the timing of it was not um, not the best. And then January tends to be the slowest month on Broadway. Tourism stops. Everyone spent their money at Christmas. No one comes to New York in January. So if you don't have enough of a footing um, and you know pre sales and a time to establish yourself and your reputation and word of mouth to sell those tickets by January. It, everything, most things closed January 6th. But they opened the year before. They opened the summer before. And we had just opened. And I don't think, didn't have time. So I think a lot of it was the timing, unfortunately. Um, I do think the show was great. It wasn't a perfect show. But, you know, once we announced that we were closing, in the final week and a half of performances, the theater was packed. I I think it was one that people wanted to see eventually, but it wasn't their, like, first-choice holiday show. And, you know, it just... I think a lot of it was just a money thing and a timing thing. And you, you see kind of the crappy side of the business side of Broadway that there are a lot of bad shows that run because they have great producers and whatever a word of mouth or a title that people know and love and a lot of great shows that close because they're artful and unique and small and, you know, don't quite have the, the thing behind them to keep them running. So it's, yeah, I think there are a lot of factors.
1: Jeremy, do you think if the show opened twenty twenty two, let's say next year, do you think it would be slightly different? Well, it depends. I mean, uh,
0: I think I think it all if you know if it had Laura and I, sure, um, because we're completely different. But part of the reason we are who we are is because of Bonnie and Clyde, ironically. And um, you know, yeah, it's it's all about it's all about how you know it's it's all it's all business stuff. You know, I I don't think that the show was. Ahead of its time. I don't think it was like something that you know people just didn't get. I just think they didn't come see it, and for whatever reason, people didn't show up, and that's why it never went anywhere. And then we did the album. You know, we scraped together every last penny that we had, and we made the album. And um, and then people were like, "Oh, dang."
2: <laughs> yeah, we actually we actually recorded the album after we closed. Remember we yeah. closed December thirty yeah. first um, or December thirtieth or something. Yeah. that We got we all got back together January
0: yeah
2: second or third and recorded the album. Oh, I was gonna say the the other reason Bonnie and Clyde had to close is because Jeremy had to do Newsies, and I I'm like your whole that you're also your whole trajectory would have changed had you you chose Bonnie and Clyde right. You had to choose between the two. You chose Bonnie and Clyde, but then Bonnie and Clyde closed, so then you were able to oh. do both. You you got to do Newsies oh. in the spring.
0: Well, I didn't I didn't choose because. Newsies came like literally f- 6 months after we closed at Paper Mill like it was never intended to go to Broadway. It was supposed to be a tour. And yeah, so I was going to do Bond and Clyde over a tour. Yeah, man. But, you know, that's how the that's how the cookie crumbled as they say, but you know. Yeah. Of course I'm grateful, but it, and I, and I think everybody it, it affected other people and and listen, Laura got a Tony nomination 6 months later, you know? People remembered it in in their own in, yeah. in various ways and, and it became, now it has its you know icon status, so.
1: While of course we get you both back together, we also get to welcome some new people to the Bonnie and Clyde family because you're going to get some lovely people that are from where I'm from here in London. We're gonna to get to join the family and be one of the first people to get to do that. And while we can't necessarily talk about names, I think we know there are pretty Top dollar in terms of the cast, it's just going to be exquisite. And I can imagine for you, Laura, that's quite exciting that you get some new people to play with on stage.
2: Totally, I think it's going to help make the experience singular. Like, we're not 100% trying to recreate what happened. Like, Jeremy and I will get tonight, and that's going to be so special and great.
0: Yeah, I'm torn about it to be honest with you. I mean, I loved our Bonnie and Clyde on Broadway family and, and the show that yep. we did, shows we'd done previous to Broadway. Um, but you know, they'll live in, they'll live in our hearts and we'll, we'll go forward and, you
1: know, part of it will be for them can't believe that we're actually getting live theater back here in the West End. It's very shortly just about to be our sort of big unlock day, which feels like the first step back towards some sense of normality. And this is certainly gonna be news for that. So thank you so much for your time today. It's such a pleasure to get to talk about, as I embarrassed myself a little bit, even telling you the dialogue into the show. So thank you not for exiting the Zoom and being like he is a bit of a super fan, but I do love this show very <laughs> much. So thank you very much for sticking with me. And I will see you in January 2022 at that venue that I keep mentioning, Bonnie and Clyde in concert it's going to be absolutely incredible so thank you so much and see you very very soon thank you
2: bye thanks
1: you've been listening to 11 the official theatre podcast find out more about 11 at 11 or via the Broadway Podcast Network